This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. In years past, um, a product may have passed at, let's say, eight parts per billion as the amount of lead that came out of it when it went through the rigorous testing to the standard. Um, those clients need, would like to look at their um, products and figure out how they could reduce the amount of lead that comes out of them before their next certification cycle. That's Kristen Licko, WQA's toxicology manager, talking about changes to lead evaluations for product certification. And welcome to another episode of WQA Radio, news and insights about the water treatment industry. You can find us at WQA.org and on social media, such as Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. This is episode number 145. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And just know that you can hit the subscribe button uh, on your podcast player and you'll be able to get more episodes in the future automatically. It's the magic of podcasting. You can also find a link right on the WQA homepage at WQA.org. In this episode, you'll hear from Kristen about the changes for lead, one dealing with material safety and one coming down the road that deals with performance criteria when it comes to product certification. If you manufacture a product that reduces lead in drinking water, this is definitely a show for you. Plus, we'll have our WQA tip. Now, on to my conversation with WQA Toxicology Manager Kristen Licko on WQA Radio. Well, there is no safe level of lead in drinking water. We know that. But water treatment products can be very effective in reducing our exposure to lead in water. And we're going to talk about that today with Kristen Licko, WQA's toxicology manager. She's been with WQA for more than eight years and was recently promoted to the WQA leadership team. She is also secretary of the Joint Peer Review Steering Committee which is a group of representatives from ANSI-accredited certifying bodies that develop human health chemical risk assessments according to guidance in Standard 600. So, Kristen, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast on WQA Radio. I would like to begin by talking a little bit about your roles on the DWA Joint Committee and also the JPRSC. You're the secretary for that group. What do they do and and why should we want to know about those? Thanks, Wes, for having me. Um, so the DWA Joint Committee, that is a group of representatives from industry, from um, regulatory agencies, from users of the standards, from even certification bodies like the Water Quality Association that gets together to work in the standards development process. And specifically DWA, drinking water additives, they address system components and chemicals. And a new version of the standard is published about every year. And changes to those standards or improvements are discussed or investigated through task groups. So I get the opportunity to participate in these task groups. And ones that I've worked on in recent years have had a lot to do with harmonizing the evaluation criteria that is used to uh, for material safety evaluations or extraction tests. The JPRC 
is a group of representatives from ANSI accredited certification bodies. Most of the time it's toxicologists from the different certifiers that are on this group. And what we do is we evaluate the risk assessments that are written according to the guidance of standard 600. And we review them to make sure they meet the requirements of the guidance and put together the information for the joint committee to include on the ballot to be included with the rest of the standards. So through the work with the um, joint committees and with the JPRC, one thing that we noticed a few years back was that there were different levels for the same contaminant applied to different product types. So drinking water treatment units were allowed a certain level for lead. Faucets were allowed a certain level for lead, and chemicals were allowed a certain level for lead. And that should have never been the case. So we worked together through task groups with the Joint Committee and through the JPRC to harmonize the levels that should be included in the standards and make it so that all products are evaluated to the same threshold. There have been some changes, as I understand it, in, in um, how the lead is, uh, is evaluated, and we wanted to go, we wanted to talk about that with you on the podcast today. There's actually two major changes that one has come through and one is going through in terms of the pass-fail criteria that is used to evaluate uh, products that remove lead or the amount of lead that comes out of the products. So the first one I want to touch on is the extraction or material safety evaluation pass-fail criteria recently changed from 10 parts per billion or micrograms per liter down to five parts per billion or micrograms per liter as the allowable amount that any product would be able to extract into the finished drinking water. So if I have a product that's going through certification or retesting, I would want to make sure that this new What's the word I'm looking for? Pass-fail criteria. The, the new criteria. Yes. That, that my product is going to meet that new criteria. Exactly. Yeah. In years past, um, a product may have passed at, let's say, eight parts per billion as the amount of lead that came out of it when it went through the rigorous testing to the standard. Um, those clients need, would like to look at their um, products and figure out how they could reduce the amount of lead that comes out of them before their next certification cycle. So as I think you touched on, this impacts material safety. Um, let's talk about that. What exactly does that incorporate and, and, and how would somebody know if material safety is an issue with their product? Water is actually known as the universal solvent. So everything it touches, it likes to take a little bit of it with it. So when we talk about material safety in terms of the drinking water industry standards, what we're looking at is all the materials that um, a product could be made out of, the plastics, the metals, the solvents, the um, polymers that are making up the netting that the filters are in, um, all of those could contribute part of what they're made up of into the finished drinking water. So when we test a product for material safety evaluations, we expose it as a standard defines, and then we analyze the water at the end to see what's in there. And we want to make sure whatever is in that finished glass of water that you're ready to drink does not contain chemicals that could cause an adverse effect. So it's not just a product that you're purchasing at the store to reduce the uh, contaminant that you're concerned about in the water itself, but also that the filter is not contributing exactly. that, that it, to any, any more or any greater extent 
the problem that you're trying to, to uh, trying to eliminate. Yeah. So all products have to be evaluated for material safety. Not all products remove contaminants from the drinking water. And is there something else then, did I hear you say, that is coming, is on the horizon? Yeah, the change in the pass-fail criteria for performance evaluation, so products that remove lead. And similar uh, drop in levels from 10 parts per billion or micrograms per liter to 5 parts per billion or micrograms per liter. Um, The way that we do performance testing is uh, an amount of lead is added to the challenge water. A good amount. And then wait a minute, wait a minute. Just so we're clear, challenge water? That would be put through the filtration product or the treatment product. It's it's the water that's creating the challenge. Right. In the laboratory, we mix up a nice batch of lead containing water. All right. All right. Stuff that you don't really want to deal with if you didn't have to. Right. Yeah. So in the laboratory, um, they will make what's called an influent challenge water, where they add a certain amount of lead to uh, the water that they're going to run through that filter or treatment system. And the standard requires that that product has to reduce it down below five parts per billion or micrograms per liter now instead of 10 as it was prior. Okay, again, and that's the performance. It's performing yes. to the standard. Perfect. Right, okay. And we know since Flint and certainly since, uh, you know, uh, other situations have arisen over the course of the last few years in the country, uh, we, in the United States, I should say, we know that there is an ongoing concern about lead and there are concerns, uh, obviously, at the level of schools. It's good to know that this uh, level of evaluation is changing and changing to be more, as I say, more effective. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but more effective in in reducing lead and exposure to lead in drinking water. And what's interesting to note, I think you and I were talking earlier before we actually started the podcast, and I think you were saying that, you know, there's a lot of lead in a lot of different environmental conditions in which we live, right? It's not just water. Right. So there could be lead in the food. There could be lead in the air that, you know, there's lead in the water. And the the more that you consume, the more it kind of builds up stores in your bodies. And the impacts of that are more prominently seen in infants or fetuses or pregnant women. They have the more severe effects. Um, But there's also effects in adults in which could be related to cardiovascular hypertension. Um, I guess on a very simple level, lead impacts some of the enzymes that process iron and calcium in our bodies, which are very important for a lot of cellular processes. And impacting those enzymes causes a cascade of events that we see in very different, varying adverse effects depending on the age and the population of the exposed. Kristen Licko, WQA's toxicology manager, has been joining us here on the WQA radio podcast it's been very interesting and and sobering, I guess, uh, to know that, yeah, there is this problem out there, but also encouraging because not only do we have point of entry, point of use products that can be effective, but we know that product certification standards and and the uh, the whole process by which these products are evaluated yeah. and, it, and is continuing to evolve and get become more protective of the public's health. So that's a that's an encouraging aspect to this whole uh, interview. 
Yeah, it, with lead being so prominent in the news, it's really actually exciting that the drinking water industry standards are responding to you know, the need or the request or the requirement to reduce lead exposure. And it's being done in two ways with these updates. We're reducing the amount of exposure through the materials and we're reducing the amount of exposure through the products that are able to remove it from the drinking water. All right. So manufacturers, again, if you're listening, you want to make sure that your products are being appropriately tested uh, for the certification standards for lead. And we do that very thing with our WQA Gold Seal program. And uh, so if somebody needs to reach out, what would they want to do to, uh, to make sure that their product is, is ready to go? If they're an existing client of WQA's product certification program, they definitely just want to reach out to their project leader who will, you know, get the ball rolling in terms of evaluating their product for some additional performance claims um, or even expanding their products that they have evaluated to the drinking water industry standards. If they're not a current uh, client of the Gold Seal product certification program, they can email us at goldseal at wqa.org and we will be in touch with you in getting your project started. All right. Very good. So to, please do that. We want to be here to be a resource for you to uh, to make sure that you have what you need when it comes to product certification. And if you're a member of the public uh, listening to this podcast, and we know there are some who are, why it, it describes for us and, and, and reinforces the value of product certification and making sure you use validated products. Our lab is an ISO accredited laboratory that performs these tests. And you know that you can have faith in the in the process uh, of certification. And um, and even if it's not a WQA gold seal certification, why uh, other accredited agencies, obviously, you want to make sure that there is a certified product at the point of use or point of entry in your home or business. So, Kristen, thank you very much. This has been great to get this update on lead and some of these changes that uh, we need to know about. Thank, thank you. you so much, Wes, for having me. Now our WQA tip. Since we're talking about our Gold Seal product certification program, you'll find a very helpful Gold Seal toolkit on our website. The Gold Seal toolkit has tips and suggestions for how to effectively market the Gold Seal and the sustainability logos and ultimately sell more products. Go to wqa.org today, go to the product certification page and then look for the Gold Seal toolkit. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for WQA Radio, then hit subscribe. Each new podcast will appear in your podcast catcher or podcast player automatically each week. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to rate and review the podcast as well. Learn more about water at WQA.org and learn more about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio. WQA Radio.